Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Hey, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. Here's Salt Lamakia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. Um, a few things we I've been meeting with many, many general managers, and there's really a consensus in MLB that all of us collectively are having a major problem with, and that is a lack of awareness by the commissioner's office about the draft. Um, We need, we have, particularly with high school players, numerous injuries that have occurred because the high school seasons end in May, early May some, and then these players are asked to come back late July and perform at high levels, resulting in injuries, often surgery and such. Plus, we're losing a good eight weeks of development. And for what we're trying to do in the game is mature young bodies. It takes a long time to get a high school athlete particularly to a level where he's capable of forming a professional baseball schedule. Training staffs, are rushed, they're compromised. The scouting community cannot focus on next year's draft because their summers are lost because our draft is occurring at the uh, near middle to end of July. The supposed benefit of the focus on the draft has been clouded by the Futures game, the All-Star game, It is a minimal attention during that period. And I think the importance of evaluation for all of us and the tournaments where the future draft picks are going to play next year's draft, we want our best scouts, we want our best evolution of the game to be examined in a a normal course. 
So for the protections of the players, for the advancement of the games, we need a true D-Day. We need a draft day where there are no major league games played, where everyone can focus on the true inception of the future of our game and make it important. That's how you create a draft focus. It's not by moving it to the clutter of the All-Star game, which is now become something that is an afterthought for a, a very prized event of Major League Baseball. For years I've been harping about the World Series week. This World Series is a great example of two very talented teams that are regionally known and the national interest of our game suffers from the fact that we don't have a corporate community that is there. We don't interact with the, with the entertainment medium. You know, we're watching in the NFL where one singer and one NFL player becomes a rave by a whole new audience because we interact with entertainment and we interact with uh, a sport, our sport. Remember, when we have our World Series, we, we don't want to serve our greatest steak at a fast food restaurant. We want people to know where this is in advance. We want it to make it an international event. We want to make it an event where people come and they can get varieties of entertainment. Our system does not offer a sudden death element like the NFL, where one game and you have a winner. So consequently, you have to attract people to come to multiple games or provide games for them so that we can create interest levels and other means of entertainment. We have Halloween. We have one of the na nation's greatest holidays in the middle of the World Series that we can take advantage of. We have all these elements which bring to the idea of interaction between corporate America, international media, and really bringing the game to the height that it deserves. Can I ask you a question about that? I'm going to go through my <laughs> I'm like Trump in court. <laughs> so, no, I'm not really. <laughs> not at all. Um, no, the the uh, pitchers. I represent a lot of starting pitchers. We have constantly received proposals where we are limiting the time that between pitching has worked out well in many cases. But we have to make concessions for the stress and the reserve of our most valued starting pitchers. So we need to propose where when you throw three innings, instead of 15 seconds in between pitches, you're going to have 18 seconds from three to six. So once you get to six innings, then you're going to have 20 seconds in, in between pitches so that these pitchers can be durable, receive the needed rest. Remember, there are few of any pitchers in our game that are throwing more than three innings, let alone six innings. We have to accommodate for this because we have to make sure that we don't potentiate injury and we also protect our valued starting pitchers, which is one of our game's greatest investments. We received notice in baseball this year that the five to seven year track to become a winner, I think we have really 
should take heed to what occurred in Texas. And actually, this occurred in Detroit 20 years ago. Many, many writers, many people inside the game admonished the Rangers for moving too soon, adding two players, spending a half a billion dollars. Can you imagine where the team would be? They added 14 war to their teams with two players. Two players that ended up being in the top three of the MVP voting. And they did that because of the fact that they added two young core players and existing roster. We have a number of teams in our game that say, we're gonna go incrementally. We're gonna move slowly. We're gonna go from 60 wins to 70 wins to 80 wins. And the, and the answer to this is the gate of performance is optimized by who? Championship caliber players. The dynamic of putting people into a franchise, there's two tracks, and that's what I think has been evidenced here. Two tracks that are needed for championship play, not one. Development, certainly, draft, trade, one track. You're using assets that currently exist in your organization. The free agent acquisition has proven to be the dynamic that gives you two tracks to operate. And I think the, the reward of this is something that we need to look at every franchise to make our game the best, to make it the most competitive, and say who has one track already in place and who is not using the asset of free agency to take your club to be in the winner. Fans are on notice. A hundred lost team two years ago won a world championship. How? Through the dimension of an owner, a general manager, understanding the dugout, understanding the field, understanding that when you use both tracks concurrently, you support the others, you take them up the hill with you, you give these players information, <coughs> championship information the young players don't have, and it helps them relax, perform, deal with expectations. This is kind of like the commercial airline. We don't fry around in planes with one engine. We have two. The FAA requires it. Well, for competitiveness in our game, we need an FAA. And that is free agent acquisition. All owners, please, take heed. This has been done. There's a track. And there's a number of teams that can use this to do what? To answer the fans of the game, to make the game more competitive. And so, when you look at this and you examine everything, I suggest that everyone come on board, understand what success is, be bold, step out, understand what great talent we have available in these markets, utilize them rather than sitting there and saying, I'm just going to leave my team on one track and leave my young players without veteranism that it takes to grow the championship club. <coughs> Will you be running for president again? <laughs> now, the, uh, um, about this current free agent market, it's, it is. There are really, really a, a frenzy for pitching. It's 
I've had seven teams tell me they need two pitching, let alone two pitchers, let alone one. And there's some very, very valuable pitchers in the market, obviously, but it's something that I think is going to make a huge difference into the championship prospects of, of what teams are doing. So with that, Bruce, I'll take your question. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, what are the chances of uh, Cody Bellinger going back to Chicago Cubs? Well, certainly, you know, Cody's a free agent. So you've got a, a uh, five-tool player. Uh, you know, obviously, in the years prior to coming to the Cubs, he had, you know, had a partial performance due to the just lack of strength. You know, he had surgery, broken leg, all those things. But I think it's pretty evident that when you have youth and you're 28, you're a rare free agent. You have a lot of options. But when he came to Chicago, he just feasted on major league pitching. And uh, really, uh, you know, I think Chicago got the comforts of a full belly. <laughs> so they're going to have to loosen their belts to keep Bellinger. You know, our our position on that is that Cody's told me to, you know, look look at the full gamut of the major leagues, listen to everybody, and he'll make decisions. How do you think Bellinger might be a fit Well, I think Bellinger's a fit with most teams because he's a Gold Glove type first baseman, center field, and play four positions, hit the middle lineup for Mike Powell. I wouldn't know any team that would have that. What did Jordan Mugger do for his value with what he did in the playoffs? And, and the Cardinals have been open about bringing him back. How, how does that work in Nipson and the years past? Yeah, I think um, you know, Jordan did a lot in the postseason. I mean, he the, the Everest for the Rangers was beating the Astros, one of the game's best things. And Jordan had three remarkable performances, a 1.29 ERA. Uh, you know, owners are clamming, clamoring for us to, you know, let's make a deal on Jordan. And, uh, and I think all owners are very, very aware that he's worthy of, you know, a Monty Hall. There's been some uh, trade and signs. Bruce, you stepped on my lunch. There's been trade and signs rarely in, uh, in baseball. But uh, you have two players out there that are in the last year contracts that are, are wanted throughout the game. Would you think your players would consider trading signs in games of this last season? Uh, I don't think that any player wants to play in an organization that he does not know. He would have to know it. That's the normal course. I think as to each individual player, you'd have to ask that question after that. Do you believe in it philosophically? Well, it's not what I believe. I work for people, so my, my opinions don't really have much matter in the course. Because? <laughs> I would believe in the chances that something gets done on the field on Actually, I met yesterday at length with, uh, with David, and uh, we had a long conversation about his philosophies and ideology, and certainly abused Pete as a core part of our team. You know, we just kind of let him know that uh, you know, when it comes to the polar, polar bear, we're not in contract hibernation. <laughs> <laughs> what is what is 
Pete's disposition toward contract talks right now, a year from this would be free. We're, we're opening to listening, you know. I mean, we, Pete's just told me, directed me, just listen to what they have to say. And, what did you learn about David, his philosophies, as you said, during that conversation? Well, I, I think, you know, certainly working in a, in a New York environment uh, is very different for David than working in a Milwaukee environment. Uh, and uh, I think that he is really, uh, much like all of us who work for people, uh, he's grasped the concept of his ownership. He's certainly communicated those to us let us know what they are and uh, as far as his philosophies and what he told us internally we had a really good understanding of that and uh, exchanged a lot of dialogue and opinions and uh, as the specifics of that i'll obviously keep that confident where do you think stand with both of you from the legal uh we you know we, we have not heard anything from the anyone involved in enforcement, so we would just wait on that for um, Met with the Padres, they laid out their plan for next year, which obviously included, you know, a, a lineup that is, definitely includes Juan Soto, he's their one 900 OPS player, and, you know, they're, they're obviously looking for more left-handed bats rather than less, that's for sure. There's been a lot of reports about them shedding payroll in the outfield. So, if you're understanding right now that they're trying to keep well, you'd have to ask them personally. They're telling us that they're they're trying to win and they're going to be very aggressive in the free agent market. Uh, do you see the Red Sox the management being more aggressive? Um, you know, we met with them, and uh, as we do with you, you know, presidents, channel managers, and they certainly appeared as though they really wanted to you know, remove themselves from the standing of where they're at now and get to a, a competitive level. So uh, that was a very clear message on their part. Scott, there are a lot of teams, the uh, Cardinals, Red Sox, Cubs, Yankees that missed the playoffs. Did you see that change in the dynamic of free agency teams that want to flip the script? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm back to my two-track where teams have been caught relying on one track well a competitive team went out and said, I'm going to make sure I've got great pitching, one and two starters, four core players. How do I do it? If it's not coming from the development, not coming from the trade, not coming from that track, I'm going to have to be more aggressive in free agent acquisition area to, uh, you know, to advance. Scott, do you expect uh, uh, Jonathan India to still be with the Reds on opening day? And, and you've got, I think, three of those infielders. How do they uh, resolve that crunch in your mind, you think? Um, <laughs> all good players. Lucky Cincinnati that they have that kind of talent. You know, most teams don't have two level players on the end, let alone you know, four or five. But, um, and again, I... I we, uh, we met with the Reds and talked a lot about their future, which certainly included, you know, India in that plan. Scott, how would you describe the market for Matt Chapman and Toronto's place in pursuing him? You know, when you think of third or bronze, uh, you think of third, but when it comes to Chappie in third, you're always gold. <laughs> so, 
And as far as his bat, you'd have to say the, uh, you know, I'm not giving you lip service either, but the chapstick really has a lot to do with the potentials and advances of the core lineup. And I think when you look at their organization, leadership-wise, what he means to them, uh, and again, defensive and offensive mold, particularly where the ballpark there is now, the home runs are hard to come by in that ballpark. Uh, they're a very good offensive lineup. So having players on the dirt that give you gold glove defense and give you middle lineup, you know, 25 home run power, are very, necess very necessary to their success. Why, why'd you, why was it important for him to come here yesterday? What was that? Why was it important for him to come to the meetings yesterday? Well, we had a number of teams that wanted to you know, meet with him for a minute or two and ask some questions. So I met Chappie lives here, so it was great to be here. Have you expressed any interest in Ballinger? And what do you expressed any interest in playing where his dad is? You, when you have in this free agent pool, the offensive capacities of players that have been at the MVP top 10 level, uh, and then you go back and look when you have 28-year-old free agent. <clears throat> Next year we'll have Soto. Year after that you may have a, a Vlad, but you almost have to go back to Witt Jr. You have to go to Gunnar Henderson to find players who have top 10 MVP abilities and are that young. So when teams recognize this, the interest level goes beyond what you would expect because they're willing to move players from their existing roster to make room for a better player. So those are, there's broad interest in Cody Bellinger because really, certainly in the outfield, first base areas in this market, he is uh, the young jewel. Is it a priority for him to find a team that is committed to playing in the center field, or is he open to split time or, or even solely first base? You know, the majority of teams are focusing on Cody and center field for sure. How do you think he'd like playing in New York? What's that? How do you think he would like playing in New York? Cody's played in major markets, so he, he just wants to play in a winning team. How do you uh, view the RSN disaster and how that's going to impact the marketplaces uh, for the agents going forward. I have a negative connotation of play. Those of us, and I think including many owners, view it as we are unplugged, we are out from under forged RSN contracts, and we have the ability to go out to millions of people that have handhelds and use all of the opportunities to take advantage of that broadcast platform rather than a limited one. So I think the the, uh, the dynamic of streaming has brought the attention to baseball and, and many other sports entities that it's a real positive. And you have a chance to, to reach so many more. You can actually consider national packages and national revenue sharing on media rights because of the wide jurisdiction of handhelds and, and that broadcast platform. So I think it's opened up a panacea of revenue opportunities too. It's just the idea that uh, no one has really figured out how to monetize that yet. Well, Bruce, I live in LA. I have a lot of people telling me how they're monetizing streaming, believe it. <laughs> so. Scott, timeline with um, with uh, Bellinger. With a guy like Shohei out there, it's like common thinking that, common sense that maybe he'd go first and you, you 
bring Bellinger in later. That makes sense. I don't. I don't really think that uh, Shohei's situation because Bellinger is a position player. Uh, Shohei is a DH. So those platforms of demand are actually very different. Um, so the teams that are approaching Cody are teams that want him to play every day in the field. And so the, they may, in fact, go for a, a DH and go for Cody. That's a possibility. But their lines don't cross because of that reason. With the Otani's presence, how does that affect somebody like Baby Martinez in the market? How you guys go about that? Well, certainly, you know, uh, I don't think they're going to be on the same team. So <laughs> I, I would say that would have that part of an impact. But uh, you know, JD had a tremendous year. And, uh, the one thing about JD that I think is unique about him, and he's illustrated this in Boston and with the Dodgers, is that. He provides a lot more than his performance. He really knows how to prepare players, individual players to play, and to optimize their performance. It's really a skill he has. And I think this time around in his free agency, there's a lot of recognition of that. Because you're seeing teams that have a lot of young players are also interested in JD to help him in the way he did back in Boston and in LA with their young players. Do you expect the DH card to wait on Keller at all? What was that? Do you expect the DH card to wait on Keller at all? Or do you still feel like it's sort of independent of that? No, as I just explained, uh, Bellinger... I think DH. DH? Yeah. I would say in that universe that teams, some of the teams have had traditional, if we don't, if we do, approaches because it's the position. So, which is logical, because I'm sure wherever both players go, they want to fulfill that role. So, um, I would expect that one or the other, I, I can't tell you first because I'm young into the market, would move. It's about where You know, we're under contract. They approached us earlier about, you know, doing something with them, and so that, that's all we know. Does Anthony Rendon do anything different this winter trying to get his career back? Well, remember that he's had a very unusual sequence of impact injuries. You know, foul ball, um, a uh, wrist hit by pitch. Um, so I, I, I don't think his conditioning prior to the season has much to do with his durability. He's just had rare impact injuries that have caused him it reminds me of Seager's free agency. The Seager got hurt in his platform season. Cody had a great platform season, Silver Slugger season. Um, and they came all, oh, you know, Seager had a hip operation. He had Tommy John. He had a couple mediocre seasons this year of the form of quality, but he only did it for 90 games. And the, I don't know, when you have the aroma of youth, you're an MVP, you're most likely going to be a three time top 10 MVP <coughs> by the age of 28. 
See how many players sniff that cologne. Take a look at it. With the idea of it. And the essence of Bellinger is something that's very, very rare in this game. So when you look at it, you understand that this is something that I think every team wants it on their vanity. Is there, with the idea of Bellinger having had success in Chicago? Bruce, you step on my line. <laughs> 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 you try it. Anyway, uh, with the idea of Bellinger having had success in Chicago, a comfortability, uh, a renewal of his career, does that come into consideration when he is uh, looking at all the other offers and saying, well, you know, my wife and I really had a great experience in Chicago. We would like to go back there. Well, Cody did have a great experience in Chicago. I mean, it's a, it's a great meeting. It's a wonderful place to play. But where Cody can play and play well, he feels he can play well anywhere. And a lot of this has to do with ownership. It has to do with their commitment. It has to do to their vision of what they're going to do to, you know, develop the other track, to do the things that are necessary to, to make this club a, a continual winner over a long period of time. Scott, you Scott. How do you talk with Oh, Chung uh, Hu is, we've had uh, probably close to half the league already uh, contact us about him. Uh, for those of you who don't know, we brought Yoshida over here. We knew his bat-to-ball skills would play at a high level here, which they have. But Jung Hu has center field premiums. He can play defense. And you know, he has he has power. So I think Chung Hu's gonna bring K-pop to the end of the year. Do you have an idea? Do you have any idea when this post team will be stuck? Um we only have a 30-day window to sign him. And he's coming over and working out at our War Sports Training Institute for a good three weeks, and then we're going to have some uh, workouts for teams for him to uh, perform, and then we'll begin the signing period after that. Scott, you met you met with David Stearns. You have a lot of clients that fit the Mets' specific needs this off season. Do you believe Steve Cohen when he said he was going to dial it back a little this winter, based on what he did the year before? Well, you know when you when you have the bigger jet. You say you're going slower, you're still going faster. That's <laughs> about what I would say about the Mets. I, I think their idea and their vision is is long term, no doubt. And they I think they see advantages in this market, in next year's market, but they you know the, the Mets have a lot of work to do. They inherited a team that had a very limited minor league depth. And therefore uh, they have to do some <clears throat> very unique things in free agency to ramp up and particularly to be competitive with, you know, the, the National League East. Scott, is, it, is the Bellinger contract a bit of a model for Reese Hoskins this offseason, or would he be looking something longer term? Yeah. I'm not sure what you mean. The Bellinger contract? The, from last year. From last year. Oh, oh. Um, well, um, certainly there's potentials for a, a pillow contract, but that means, by the way, that there's a dictionary. <laughs> the, uh, the, basically, Reese got a chance to really get ramped up, almost to be World Series ready in Clearwater, because the Phillies wanted to add him to their World Series roster. So he is way ahead of his conditioning thing and really very much back to full speed. So 
I think that, you know, the power of Reese, his leadership, all those things are really, really demonstrated in a major market and on championship levels, hitting championship pitching. So, I think Reese's Pieces fits all teams. Yes. <laughs> Scott, do you think need one piece? The Cardinals are looking for two, three starters, a couple of bullpen guys. Does that shape how you negotiate with them? Maybe a place where you could send multiple clients? Well, each contract is negotiated individually. There's no there's no group-centric. Uh, we negotiate for each player on an individual level and then finish that. And then if there's a next one to come, then we would start that after one's done. Scott, Cal Raleigh was very vocal about the Mariners' needs. Do you think the Mariners are a one-track team that you mentioned, the one-track only? Well, you know, in fairness, they've signed some free agents and they've retained players that they've acquired. Um, the idea of are there free agent players that can go out and enhance their offensive needs? I think there certainly are. I think, though, is that uh, their plan is one that, that could really, really use a championship caliber player, one who's been there, uh, that would really help a lot of the young players. Were you concerned about any blowback towards Cal for those guys at all? No, I think everybody views Cal Raleigh as a leader, uh, a guy who really, really wants to win. And him and Jerry talk and understand one another, and uh, I think they're all real happy that they have a player with that kind of, of desire and competitiveness um, you know, on their team. Scott, How would you describe have there been any initial talks with the Astros about extensions for Altuve or Bregman? Um, no, no, there's not. Not today, not this year. Scott, do you feel like it's a possibility for them to extend? Um, there's been an expression of desire to do it, you know, and uh, but obviously uh, that, that's not something we've approached. An expression from the Astros or an expression from the players? From the Astros. And what do you think, Kent? Is Well, he came back very well. He threw well. Uh, ERA is, you know, pitched five, six innings on time. I think he's ready to go and contribute to a rotation. A lot of interest in him. Like, again, uh, I would say for every pitcher I've had in free agency, it's almost times two the interest level. Like, you can be a four or five, you can be a reliever. Um, I found out today that Matt Moore was claimed by close to 35 teams. Because every team we mentioned that more, they all said that they claimed him and they all like him. <laughs> and uh, so it's a it's a process where uh, uh, all the healthy starters are are receiving interest, ten teams and above. This guy with the with the. Uh, Ken, why are you so limited? Again, when you know, I think it's unfair for any of us to talk about that subject at this point because of the fact that we don't know um, a lot. The, the public doesn't know a lot, and we have to hear from the authorities before we can really comment. Scott, do you agree with He's still a contract. He's been in the division. The medical doctors and the team were all fully aware that his nerve injury registered uh, an inability to, to throw at the major report.
do you what kind of value do you place on the fact that showing the good in New York already? Well, I think the, the thing about Pete that everybody knows about is extraordinary power. But the thing about Pete is his durability. You look at the number of players that can post and do what he does. And the other thing is his commitment to defensive improvement, where now he's become, you know, his a rise as defense where he's at league average and getting better and better every year at that spot. So, you know, the, the idea of who he is and, and the value of him, and now the, the veteranism of him brings that there's going to be an inclusion of younger players into this roster. That he adds more value in his leadership. But being a Met, playing a Met, doing well as a Met ever since inception. You know, Pete's posted, played every day, and done that. Sometimes in this industry, durability we, we, we take it for granted, but it's very, very hard to do for these players. Scott, do you get the do you get the sense of the Braves that spend aggressively in free agency as it relates to the rotation? I really don't know. I mean, I, I think that. The Braves have widely been an internal organization, not external. Um, but they they have made certainly a move. They, the point is, do they have the ability to do it? Well, we get their public revenues. It's all nice to make four hundred million dollars, you know, and do the things that they do. So it's not a question of, of ability to spin. It's really a choice to spin. Speaking so, to Michael Conforto's decision to opt in with the Giants, what are you expecting from him? Yeah, Michael really, his thought process was, look, I, I, I want to, we knew coming in that he had an acclimation here, and I want to go play a full year and uh, play every day. And he's very comfortable in San Francisco doing it. He liked it, the spring training site, the whole thing. So there was really not a need for him to pursue free agency, knowing that he wanted to be a free agent at the end of next year. Scott, what's your take on Ellie De La Cruz's uh, poor second half, his struggles in the second half? What's he doing to maybe cut down on some of the uh, swing and miss in the offseason? And would you be surprised if he opened in the minors? Um, yes, I would be very surprised. And you're the first to do that. I go, how's the GM out there? I don't know. <laughs> um, the, uh, he had 250 at-bats in the minor leagues right now. And now you're playing in the major leagues. Wow. For those of us who played minor league ball, to think about that is, you know, how many bats we needed just to play in double A, you know. And so it's uh, it's something that we asked a lot of him. And he's working, obviously, strength. You know, getting ready to play a full 162-game schedule, which he's not come anywhere near that prior to this year. And there was a big fatigue factor for him late in the year. So get, getting his strength, durability there, and also getting – getting more uh, focus on how to work on his technique for the right-handed advance. Do you think center field might be in his future? Uh, I have no indication. He's a great athlete, but uh, I, the plans are uh, from our meetings with Cincinnati that he's going to continue the choice. Scott, where is Lance McCullers, his recovery, and what do you expect from him? Where do you expect, when do you expect him to be back this season? Yeah, he's certainly going to be pitching next year, no doubt, you know, as to the exact date such we we expect him to be you know healthy and ready to go you've been in the past with the way the modeling pattern departments to use your phrase it looks like the fa has come caught up with them and what's your sense of the urgency they have to get back to where they've been you have only one line <laughs> <laughs> well, 
I was raised a cardinal. I'm very protective. Right? No, I, look, the Bill DeWitt over the years has always made every effort to put a competitive tool on the field. I think sometimes you get caught in the, in the projections and the pitching, particularly when you're advancing the now, there are certain teams that have lost three and four starters at <clears throat> one time. And this year clearly shows you have to have starter depth uh, to really compete. And the COVID dynamic, rushing all of our low A, double A players into the bullpen <clears throat> to compensate for 21, 22 depth, lack of depth. Now we don't have those pitchers to start. Now some of them are in the bullpen. Many of them are hurt. Organizations cannot plan for that. You can you can raise fault in the game. You got a 40-man roster. You got players on it, and then players get hurt. Players malperform, and they're young players primarily. So consequently, the other track is now the course because you're watching teams win who have multiple starter depth. They have used free agency aggressively to make sure they have championship players on their team, uh, on the mound, and in the field. You represent clients who were clear fits for them, whether it was geographic or position, and they have shied away from meeting Mark team those clients. Do you think their appetite has changed if they, they're ready to play in the market? Well, I think St. Louis is a very valued market. Always has been players love to play there. A lot of times, it is competitive. When you're in the contract world, you're competing. It's no different than a player playing. You, you've got to beat the other team. You have to do more in years and in dollars to win those players. And that's that's the competitiveness that I think some teams have really won out on it and benefited. Scott, what, uh, what what continues to motivate you to be an important voice in the game? And by that I mean you, you've accomplished so much in 35 years. What is it every day that, that drives you other than obvious success? Well, thank you for that question, Bruce, but I, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I'm a lawyer and I'm a baseball player. Everything I have in my life, scholarship, signing bonus, uh, education, uh, opportunity. In my office building, I keep pictures of all the retired players that I have. So when I walk into my office, I understand that any success I have is built on the people I work for. And it's always a privilege. I find it exciting. It's wonderful to help people who play the game that you love so much. And for me, that uh, you wake up every day and you're, you're very grateful that you have the ability to, to uh, work and sustain a life for me, will have no end. I tend to do this for the rest of my life because it's the greatest joy of my life. Scott, what is the Tenzin Liu situation is a little bit unique? He can pursue the major league game, but he can also go back to his country. What is, what is his situation right now? Um, again, uh, there will not be a Korean reunion this year. It'll be in the major leagues. The demand for him is great. 
what does he want? What's that? What is he looking for as far as his next opportunity? Well, he's looking obviously for a competitive team and to uh, be in a rotation and uh, you know, uh, just be back to normal form. He's healthy, pitching well, and uh, you know, obviously he has demand for services. What do you think of Artie Moreno's um, leadership of the Angels, not just as an agent, but as someone who's there for every Oh, I think his ticket prices charges me double. <laughs> uh, I wish he'd give my sweep back that I had where I could see the pitcher when I don't play. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> Put that billboard over there. Um, no, I mean, you know, the, the, the idea of what the Angels do and how they do it is the coordination of those two tracks. And they've seemed to, they've certainly followed the free agent element. They've retained their stars. They've sought major free agents credit them for that. But on the other side of it is their ability to develop pitching in their minor league system has really been a, a corridor that's been difficult for them. And, uh, and that's something that's really, I think, hurt their, their uh, major league standard. Do you, do you think Artie should have sold? Well, those are, you know, you, you want people in the game that are invested in it. And in my meetings with Artie, he's uh, very much into it, likes it, likes to talk the game, sit down and talk to you for four or five hours. So as long as you have passionate owners and these things aren't assets, you're not an absentee owner, then uh, I'm very much for those people being in the game. Oh, he is certainly one of the highest pitchers in demand of anyone that's postseason. You know, this is like Lester or Hamels or, or Andy Pettit. You can win in the postseason. You can take a lineup like Houston. You have, you have three or four three players and Alvarez and Bregman and Altuve who are fire hot, fire hot, playing at their best. Um, home runs, winning games, and then he shuts them down three times. When you have that, that creates the greatest of value to what you know you're optimally hoping for as an owner, which is championship. With the Yankees coming off that. discussions about an extension for Zach Gallon um, No, I haven't had a chance to talk to, to Mike uh, about that. We're letting Zach rest after 41 starts. <laughs> With the Yankees have, coming have the up. Have the Diamondbacks expressed any interest along those lines? Well, I, I'm, I'm sure they and anybody else is interested in Zach Allen, right? right. Yeah. With the Yankees coming out the kind of season they are, do you expect them to be extra aggressive in free agency? Well, I watched an interview yesterday that <laughs> said to me that they might be aggressive. I'm not sure. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I mean, look, they've got two top five players in the game, they're the New York Yankees, and so uh, largest revenues in the game, why wouldn't they, you know, I, I, why wouldn't they want to reward their fan base with New York Yankee conduct, you know. Going back to your World Series idea about uh, one site, you know, being able to showcase it, <clears throat> I think a lot of people have talked about that, the one thing that hasn't been addressed is how do you uh, satisfy the home fans? 
Well, we're satisfying our home fans with, see, in other sports, like in the football, you get one game. You know? So in our sport, you're having multiple levels of playoffs. You know, like we have a, we have a situation in our playoff structure where teams are winning 100 games. And our playoff structure says, well, we, what do we do? We, we, four or five days off for hitters is not good. It's not rest. One or two is rest. What do we do? I think the answer to all this is to say we have to have a component where the season matters and the construction of a lineup matters and the commitment to a payroll matters. And a fan base knows that when they go to watch their team. That what they're seeing and what they're rooting for really matters to their success at the next level. And my ideology is that you have to have a structure that if a team is sitting for two or three days and they go in and they lose that first game and they've won 100 games, you have to have a structure where it includes basically one club has to win three and the other club has to win four. And why do I say that? Is because of the fact that that is a component that comes in and says, and I don't mean ghosting where you're just rewarded one. You have to win three games. You might have a, a maximum seven-game series, but the reality of it is you have, if you go out and lose two, now you can win three out of five, which is... But to say if I lose one, I have to win three out of four for a 100-game team and they're, and they're rusty, I think we need to, to visualize that to say that we need to set up a system whereby one team has favor in those division races where one has to win three and one has to win four, clearly. Would Jordan be open to pitching in New York again? What's that? Would Jordan be open to pitching in New York again? Yeah, again, he's, Jordan is taking uh, all proposals from all teams. Scott, it's how would you describe the track the Cubs are on after just missing the playoffs, Bellinger becomes a free agent, and then switching managers here for another day? Well, the engineer is different. <laughs> so, I, I would say that, you know, the, uh, again, you know, they, they've made moves in that category. Um, but it, in, in the game, you have to say, do I want to win my division or do I want to win the World Series? When you're in the Central, there's been a lot of focus on winning the division. And I think the component of who's winning the World Series and and where that should go, you have to really look at every element of the league and say, where are they coming from? What do we need to do? And you're, you're talking about making a team younger, you're talking about getting a core four players that you say are going to be there for you know a five to seven year period. That's what you're seeing a lot of the clubs that are repetitively in the championship series. They're just not making the playoffs and they're one and out. There are a number of teams that they get in the playoffs and then six or seven times in a row they're out in the first round. That's not what I'm talking about. Those core four players, having those pitchers, you have to be on that free agent track with your development track to really make sure you stay in the lane of getting to league championship series. Because when, when people talk to me about playoffs are a crapshoot, I may believe that if I'm the league championship series. But I'm not going to believe it if I'm in the division or the, the uh, you know, the wild card. Because the fact of the matter is, you can 
you can build teams that you look at the data that really take clubs that are in there on the fringe and exclude them in the first round. So that that element of <clears throat> commitment is not one player or two players. It usually involves four players. You see a faster moving market here. What's that? Or a free agent market. You see it's a it's a fast moving market. For pitching, I think the market is uh, really. I I would say that in the pitching autobahn, it's pretty much Mock Schnell. Okay, uh, position wise, is um, third base the best path to keep those those on the field, or is outfield in there? What? How do you see it? Um, I think one position, staying at one position. We're watching platoon players, particularly great athletes that are young. When they're moving them around, they're getting hurt, particularly when they play center field. Center field is a position you have to play, play a lot of, or don't play. Because when you mix and go back and forth, we're seeing a lot of injuries evolve. Scott, is Nick Senzel at the... What do you think of the way he broke through in the playoffs? Oh, it's tremendous. Uh, I've known Royce since he's uh, 10 years old. He went to the same high school as my children. So it's, it's great to see him evolve. Is Nick Senzel at the point in his career here where he might uh, welcome a change of scenery, whether it's through a trade or maybe even becoming a free agent? Well, he's, I mean, obviously the Reds have control of Dave always part of the team. But he's a great athlete, a versatile athlete. He was a number two pick in the draft. I think injuries, again, have affected him. I think he certainly has dominated against left-handed pitching. Like 900 OPS. He certainly has a station in the game. Once he, I think, converts that to his facing right-handers, he can be a you don't expect him back with the Reds, do you? Or do you? I, I, I expect him there now because the team is included in the roster. So yes. What do you think? Cubs are a team that committed a lot of money to their payroll, and they saw interest from fans in response to that. But now there's been a lot of talk, a lot of reports about them losing money this year, about them having to trim from their payroll for next season. Are you concerned about just maybe what that might say about the sustainability of the mid to bottom tier market? The, I can tell you what the team says. They're unplugged. They went from 900,000, you know, where they can actually have access to four or five million. They're, they've already sold over three million tickets. Their ownership is highly committed to winning. Fan base is responding. They were in the NLCS a year ago. So I think they understand that they had some kind of freakish things happen to them with one run games and extra inning games that don't normally happen to teams. But you know, there's a lot of clubs that have had playoff disappointment, you know, the Dodgers and the Braves in recent times. But I don't think anybody is not projecting them to be a playoff caliber because of the existence of their current roster. You know, when you get into the financial components, remember what teams do with 
the opportunities within the MLB structure. A lot of teams do that. They just don't report it. And as to why that's reported, I don't know, but there are a lot of teams that take out loans and do things because it's financially prudent for them to do it. It doesn't necessarily mean that, that uh, the implication that they are not financially adept or successful. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.